let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we're back with another snippet. And we have beer in glass already, don't we, mate? We do. Uh, we've very kindly sent some beers by Simple Things Fermentations. And the first of the two beers we're going to sample from them is their Big Ideas Series 1, a 5% European Pale Ale, uh, which looks fantastic in the glass. Lovely little head on it. Um, smells wonderful as well. So I guess we should get in, Steve. Yeah, let's, let, let's dive in. Cheers. Cheers. It's quite sweet at the end, isn't it? It is really sweet. It's, it's really refreshing yeah. as, as well. I mean, first, first of all, that nose. It's all tropical fruits. Yes. It's a big burst of tropical fruits on, on the nose. And then you get into the flavour, get a really soft mouth mouthfeel throughout. And then, like you say, you get that sweetness at the end. Um, hardly any bitterness, so, so to speak of. Um, but really, really easy to drink. Loads, bit, of, loads of flavour. Yeah, a little bit of dryness. But yes, not really the bitterness. But the dryness, I think, does help it along. Otherwise, that sweetness at the, at the end might be a little bit too much. Um, but yeah, um, you know, and this isn't the first time we've sampled some beers um, from Simple Things Fermentations. Uh, we're actually lucky enough to sample for them on the collaboration with Ribbon, Ribbon and Brew Steve, which comes out a few days after this lands on the 20th of June. It does, um, yes. And yeah. I think the thing that we said throughout all of those ones was um, about the mouthfeel and how soft it was. Um, and, and this seems to be no different to the other ones we tried as well. Yep, so a little bit of background um, on, on what's gone into this beer. So this is, um, this is their Big Ideas Series 1. So this is the first beer that they produced as, as a brewery. They only produce 1,800 bottles of, of each beer. Um, so it's very, very small batch stuff. Um, so, so this was, the idea behind this was uh, basically um, going for an American style parallel, but using European ingredients. So what you've got in here, you've got um, a lot of European hops and you've also got, in terms of the yeast, you've got some Kvik yeast in, in this as well. So I'm guessing it's, it's that what's bringing that fruitiness, that softness to it. Yeah, but I think that's... Um... Some, something else that we, we found is that, and from reading about um, simple things, the yeast is a very important, I know that yeast is an important part before anyone shoots me down, but a lot, with the Belgian beers, you really get the fruity esters from the, from the, from the yeast. And I think that's what he's gone on with here. And oh, something he does absolutely. Say, something he does say on this one is uh, the ta his tasting notes, which we, which we didn't refer to before, and I just found them. Punchy, fruity, new world flavours with a malt sweetness and some spice. Moderate bitterness and a dry finish, reminiscent of a Belgian Saison or pale ale in its yeast-driven complexity. Which sort of backs up what you were saying there, Steve, about, about the yeast in there as well. I'd, I'd, I'd agree with all of that in, in terms of the, the, the description of the beer. Oh yeah, certainly. I mean, the, the hops, I mean, it's not like hop, devoid of hops. I mean, it's got Magnum, Palatair Blanc, Huel Melon and... Celia or Celia. Uh, that last one I'm not very familiar with, I have to admit. It's the first time I've heard of that hop as well. But, but the other ones I am familiar with. Um, I think you can, I think even despite the fact it's a little bit sweet and quite fruity, I think on a warm day such as the day of recording, a few of these, I reckon even with a, a bit of barbecue meat, they, this would go down quite well. Yeah, I think I think worryingly, this this possibly isn't going to last in the glass for very for very long. But um, probably to stop me from drinking it more than anything else. Um, so, so Phil, who who runs Simple Things, as you said uh, at the outset, did send us six beers. Uh, four of them were for the show that we've got coming up with Rhythm Brews, but he put a couple of extras in um, that are sadly no longer available to buy because they've just they've just run out of stock of them. Um, and he did also put in a, a lovely covering letter as well. And I just want to want to read some of the points. From, from the letter that Phil put in as well. Um, so he says he's been listening to the show for years. Uh, first while he was commuting to Edinburgh to study, study at Harriet Watts, and then while driving to Harvestoon Brewery and back every day for two years. Throughout all this time, I've been developing and evolving the plans for my own brewery and more recently making it happen. You've been a big part of this journey. Your voices, opinions, guests, and news pieces have been a constant throughout this time. And it's great to finally be able to say a big thank you for the many hours of listening pleasure that you've given me. I haven't been much of a contributor to the show, I'm afraid. Study 
studying and working full time, setting up a new business with a young family to look after has meant there's not been a huge amount of spare time. I realise these beers may not be in your desert island selection. Words like smoke, peat and Belgian appear quite prominently and maybe that's why the box was sat in my office rather than winging its way to you. A quick note on the type of brewery Simple Things is intended to be. I try to do things a bit differently without being overly quirky or, or esoteric. The idea is to shine a light on some of the less well-represented styles and by making a virtue of being small to provide an alternative to the main, mainstream. I love IPAs and American hops as much as anyone, but there are so many different other directions you can go in. And, and I think that was that was really, firstly, thank you very much, Phil, for having having been um, on our journey with us as, as well. But, but secondly, I think that's a great little explanation of what he's, he's aiming to do with the brewery. Yeah, he's basically some, managed to sum up his ethos quite, quite neatly in uh, three or four sentences on the last paragraph of the covering letter. Um, and obviously, you know, studied at Harriet Watt and worked at Harvestoon as well. So he's got some decent pedigree behind him as well. Um, and yes, it was, it was lovely to hear that, you know, we, we, we've all been on a bit of a journey together. Um, and, you know, do not worry about your lack of contribution in the past. This is uh, the fifth, fifth of your beers that I've, I've tried. And I have to admit, I'm enjoying them all. So pretty damn good contribution in my book. For, for sure. Well, yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's interesting, actually, that, and, and I, will, I will admit this as well, I had never heard of, of Simple Things fermentations until um, the, the, the beers turned up for us to try on, on the Rhythm and Brews show. That was the, 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 my first introductory to them as a brewery. Uh, same for me as well. And, you know, it's been a lovely introduction. Uh, and, you know, he's given us copious uh, notes for all the beers, plus that covering letter as well. Um, and like I said, I know it's a bit of a spoiler for Rhythm and Brews, but, you know, you know you, anyone who listens to Rhythm and Brews know that we don't actually talk about the beer much when we're with uh, Andrew and Luke anyway. So, to be honest, you know, you're probably going to hear as much about the beers on this show as you will about <laughs> on their show. Um, but, yeah, I, I, have, I have really enjoyed them. And I, I've never seen them before. I've never heard of them. Um, and so if this helps, helps a little bit, all well and good as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, thank you very much again, Phil. I can only echo that. Um, so while we're while we're enjoying this this first one, which, like I say, I don't think is going to last very long, we, it's it's a warm day as <laughs> as, as, as well. Let's um, let, let's quickly have a look at some of some of what we've been drinking um, at home in the last week. Uh, Martin, have, have, have you had much of note? Um, well, firstly, I haven't had much until so we're recording on a Saturday, unusually for us. And uh, the last show we recorded was on a Sunday, and I basically took Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday off, uh, partly because I thought. Actually, I drank quite a lot on the Fantasy Pub Crawl, to be honest. And then I hit it again on the Sunday. And I've been getting up pretty early for work as well. So I thought, okay, just take a few days off. Bit of a reset. And um, as you've said a few times, that first beer, when you hit it on the Friday or Saturday after having some time off, it didn't have to go down well last night. Um, Brew York. I bought some beers from Brew York. Um, a case of 12. I only bought four different beers. So a couple of their American Pale Ales, their IPA, and their Gooseberry, their Goose Willis. So the Goose Willis we had, I think, done on the show before. Uh, that's why I got it, because I really enjoyed it. Um, but the other three I went for purely because they were the Pale Ale, West Coast Leaning, IPAs, um, which perhaps Brew York may not be as well known for, to be honest. It tends to be their Tom Coco Stouts, um, various versions of that, or some of their fruity numbers the rhubarb rhubarb streisand kind of thing but um i really did enjoy all three of the pale beers i had last night i mean the highlight was definitely the west coast ipa but the uh gallica and the karma chameleon both very light both very sessionable 3.7 and 4.7 i think so you could have a few of them um i just need a few more cans to be 330s if i'm being honest um, if I'm drinking on my own, I need a few more 330s and Michelle's not really dipping into the beer stash quite so much at the moment. So I could do a 330 cans, but I know that 440s are very popular with both brewery, breweries, shops and uh, outlets and with punters. Just for me at the moment, it would, it, would, it would help me if they were 330s, if I'm being honest. I think I get through the same amount of units with their 330s, 440s or 500s. Mm. So, but I really did enjoy them. It was, it was nice to 
spread the wings out a little bit in the Brew York beers. And also, nice little touch on their box, the delivery box, um, has a 10% off at the tap room as part of the cardboard actually printed in. So quite a nice little gesture. I mean, you know, 10%, you know, if you're buying a big red that, around, that's worth having that money off or saying to eat at the tap room. And it's a little bit of an encouragement, you know, when things are appropriate, come back, come and see us. Um, which we were going to go and do in July. Um, unfortunately, we've uh, postponed that. But um, Steve and myself will get to you in Brew York. That's, that's certainly the intention. Um, yeah, it's a shame, shame we've had to cancel that one. But much, much like yourself, I, I think I ordered pretty much an identical order, um, uh, apart from maybe the last three beers, which I went for a couple of their darker ones. And I went for, a, they've got a sour IPA that I fancy trying as well. Um, so I, I, I went big on the, the West Coast IPA and the two uh, American Pale Owls. And I had the, uh, the two lighter ones, almost as pre-recording beers um, to, to today, because I was quite thirsty after um, some, some exertions this morning. So, um, yeah, I just echo what you say on those. Both of them really, really drinkable. I mean, the, the one that really shone for me was the Gallagher. Um, uh, so like for like say 4.7% American Pale Ale, just really crisp, really little little bit of piney resin re resinous stuff going on in there as well. And I'm very much looking forward to trying the, uh, the the West Coast IPA later on because I've seen your review of it, and I know we have very similar opinions when it comes to West Coast IPAs. So that's that's probably going to be my post recording beer this evening. Yeah, I don't think you'll be disappointed. And just um, of note given some of the conversations that people have been having online about uh, one of the, the hops that you and I are both very keen on, the, the Gallagher is a mix of Citra and Mosaic, which is generally two of our favourite hops as well, Steve. It worked for me. Yeah, and I, I still enjoyed it. But yeah, been in some interesting discussions about the Mosaic online, I have to admit. Um, I did try a couple of Mosaic beers before recording, uh, single hopped ones, and yes, I still enjoy it. So it's, it's, it's really weird how people get completely different things from literally the same beer or the same hop. So that's, that's been quite interesting. Yeah, I think I saw a conversation last night that uh, Fergus from Adnams got involved in and he was saying it's, it's possible that this year's crop of mosaic has come out a little bit different in, in terms of its flavour profile and it's, it's that what people are picking up rather than it, it being the hop itself. Oh, I mean, that would be interesting because, I mean, obviously uh, Adnams do have their mosaic which they bottle, can, keg and cask. So they probably get a fair whack of it in themselves, don't they? Yeah. So yeah, some interesting, interesting thoughts. And I think they do the mosaic. Do they do the single hop mosaic for the, one of the M&S beers? Mm, yeah, that's, that's one of the, the big M&S beers, isn't it? Four, yeah. 440 mil cans, is it? Or 500. It's in yeah. the same range as the Citra is, isn't it? Yeah. So they, they must get a fair whack of it in themselves. So I suppose if anyone's going to know, Fergus will. So yeah, some interesting notes there. Um, Steve, you referred to your exertions. Yes. Now, this is, this, this is the potentially the new section of the show, Opinions on Wheels. Uh, so welcome everyone to, the, to the, uh, uh, yet another spin-off we're piloting. Um, so a spin-off within a show that's that's yes. like a that's a isn't that t normally termed as a backdoor pilot exactly exactly <laughs> um now both of us have uh, been upping our cycling during this uh period where we've been a bit more isolated a bit more restricted in what we can and can't do um you have hit a particular milestone today steve yeah, I, I hit, um, I did 33 miles today, which, which obviously took me over the, the, the 30 mile barrier for the first time in my life, actually, um, which considering when I, when sort of lockdown started at the end of, uh, end of March, um, and I dusted off my bike from, from, from the garage and started riding it, considering that my first ride was about six miles, and I quite publicly stated that I hated every single thing about it and I hate bike riding and, <laughs> and I really, really don't enjoy being on a bike. To, to think that here we are kind of 10, 12 weeks on and I've been regularly, with, without doubt, um, doing three rides a week, uh, normally with a big one on a weekend. I, I was really chuffed to, to hit such a milestone this morning, like 33 miles this morning. Um, because I just, you know, I, I think early on I set myself a goal of if, if I can do a 20 mile ride, I'll, I'll be really pleased. Um, and I did that 
uh, probably about six weeks ago. And then, and then I started riding with, with a friend on a Saturday morning. Um, and he's just kind of been pushing me just to go a little bit more every week. So uh, a few weeks back, I hit 23, then I hit 25. Last week, I hit 27. And then this week, I took, took quite a step up in terms of, of where, where I got to. And I, I'm really chuffed with that because I, I really didn't think I'd, I'd get there. I mean, I'm, the, the bike I'm riding is 15 years old. It's, it's covered in rust. The gears don't really work. Um, the, the front brake is constantly applying. So I'm having to fight against it all the time. And, and probably the worst thing of all is that it's actually a mountain bike as well. So it's not even designed to be on the road. So, so I'm, I'm doing these sorts of distances on, on a bike that's essentially making it twice as hard for me to get round. But I'm just putting that down to actually that's just good training then as, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, I mean, hey, well done. And I do remember your, your six-mile hate rant <laughs> <laughs> three months ago. Um, just a question for you, because obviously I've been going out doing a bit of cycling. Um, do you go past many pubs on your route? Um, it depends on, on what route I take, because uh, I, I, I do quite a bit of kind of short country roads connecting major routes between some of the smaller towns in my part of Essex. Um, so I think in terms of if, if it was to think about today, probably a, only a handful, maybe, maybe three or four. Yeah, I did. Um, well, the last week I did roughly the same as you do at 34, 34 miles. Um, and it, one, uh, it was a couple of laps. But the route I did today, I went past a grand total of like five pubs only. Um, again, I'm getting out into the South Essex countryside. But I have to admit, when it's this kind of weather and you're cycling past, there's that bit me thinking, oh, I wouldn't mind pulling over and having a pint if they were open right now. Uh, no, no. I, I, and I, I think there's something in this for us when, when we're allowed to, to, to meet up again. I think if we can find a fairly decent loop with maybe three or four pubs in it, I, I reckon we could do a little opinions on wheels, pub tour, on by bike of Essex sort of thing. Oh, I, um, think there, I think there's definitely something there and it would actually be a really lovely way to do it as well. Yeah, we could stop at each pub, you know, a, a little refresher, record a little something, pack up and off we go on to the next one. Yeah, um, you know, by the time we get to the fourth or fifth venue, who knows what, what will be like. <laughs> yes, yeah. I, so, I certainly won't have any problems with hydration that day or no. I, I may do, actually. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, that's true. yeah drink, drinking beer is going to make you drink more water. But yeah, uh, maybe there's something in there for us. But yeah, I, I have to admit, the cycling is, uh, everyone knows I like my running, but I also know that at the age of 49 and having had a few injuries in the past and a few ops, that constant running, I, I, I do try to take, be mindful of that. So the cycling or walking does take the pressure off it. And the cycling, you do get to see quite a lot. You cover a lot of distance. Um, still a few knobs in cars, but hey, what can you do about that? As long as everyone, at least, even if they have to go past that 100 miles an hour on the uh, small roads, as long as they give me enough distance, I don't mind so much. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it's really pleasing to hear, Steve. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have another drink of this very nice European pale ale and say cheers. Well done. Well, th thanks for that. I mean, I, I feel like I've certainly earned these beers today. It's actually much like yourself. Um, these are my first beers since we recorded last weekend as, as well. I didn't, I didn't have any last night because I knew I was up early for a ride this morning. So I, I have thoroughly enjoyed everything that's passed my lips today. And, and I'm sure you will post recording as well. And hopefully when we get to the second beer from these guys, which I'm very much looking forward to, but that's a few minutes away still. In, 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 indeed it is, yeah. Let's not jump into that one too, too quickly. Uh, before we get to that, let's uh, cover off some of this week's news stories. First of all, this week we heard, uh, it kind of came out of nowhere really, was it Monday, Tuesday that, that you posted something from the FT yeah. um, about pubs are opening their gardens on 22nd of June? I don't know where, I mean, you know, the FT, um, in my experience, uh, and obviously I'm usually focused on slightly different matters when I'm using the FT for a, a, re, a resource doesn't normally put stuff out unless they're sure about it but it turns out that this 22nd of June thing doesn't seem to be real as far as I can work out and also no one seemed to have spoken to SEBA, BBPA, the hospitality industry in, in general and pretty much as soon as they talked about opening beer gardens 
we've had we had shit weather for about three days as well. Yeah, <laughs> which so, is exactly what will happen. Yes, when, exactly. <laughs> isn't but, it? Yeah. It was just a bizarre thing, but it's just sort of, uh, it's symptomatic of how some of this messaging has been coming out from the government about everything, um, schooling especially, the way that was sort of drip fed out uh, without people who needed to know the facts having the facts. So uh, 4th of July seems, to, I looked on the BBC News earlier, it still seems to be the government, government mantra is the 4th of July, but who knows with, with this government. Well, it's, that, that, well, that's quite interesting, isn't it, the 4th of July, because what, what we've heard all along from, certainly from CBA and also from the, the British Beer and Pub Association, is that if, if we're reopening on the 4th of July, there's, there's a cut-off point that breweries need to know um, in order to be able to have beer ready for the 4th of July. Now, as we recall today, on, on Saturday the 13th of June, that cut-off point is Monday, it's yeah. the fifteenth of June, so they they need to, breweries need to know in forty eight hours, as we recall now, whether or not they need to start producing beer for potential pub reopening on the fourth of July. However, having said that, I do wonder whether the messaging is coming out through the back door because I noticed a few breweries have posted about them ramping up or starting production again. Timmy Taylor's was one of them. Did it started up a couple of days ago. Um, and I'm sure of some other brewery as well, which I saw that had started up their uh, cask. Adnams today have said they're brewing cask ships going to cask for the first time in three months. Well, that's good news. That's we'll just stop there. That's, that's what it. You want to Show's hear. over. Is, that's all I needed it, yeah. to know. Um, yeah. But I do have one problem. Well, that's a lie. I have lots of problems, but we don't need to go into all of them. But why are they opening on a Saturday? Why, why the 4th of July? Why not? It should be a Monday. As many things as I don't understand, I don't understand why you'd want to do it on a Saturday. Certainly in, in other countries, they've been um, reopening on a Monday. Oh, okay. So, so you get the build through the week because people are starting to go back to work or people are working at home. So people can't just basically rush down to the, the boozer. And certainly in Germany, Germany was definitely a Monday when I spoke to my brother. So he had, there was a good five days of it betting in before they hit a weekend. So in terms of social distancing, we've seen this week that the British Beer and Pub Association um, have actually called for a reduction in the two metre social distancing guidance. Um, and basically they cite that the current position will mean that only a third, which is 12,500 of England's pubs will be able to reopen. Um, this could leave up to 25,000 pubs closed with major concerns over when, if ever they are able to reopen. But under the one metre social distancing guidelines, 75%, which is 28,000 of England's pubs would be able to reopen. Um, and they're currently lobbying the government to review the two metre guideline for social distancing to reduce it to one metre to enable greater opening of pubs. Um, what, what do you think of that? Well, I think we touched upon this in previous episodes. I mean, other countries have definitely either adopted the one metre World Health Organization social distancing recommendation. Um, and these recommendations for the social distancing going back to like the 1930s. Um, other countries have gone for like a 1.4 meters, which I would have thought was quite hard to work out in your head. Uh, Holland, one and a half meters. And us plus a couple of other countries have gone for like the maximum two meters. I think, if, if, again, if, will people trust it? And I think it's it's quite right for the BBPA to ask the question. At least find out. You know, this this is how these conversations start. Have that conversation. Have that conversation now before people start putting the message in place for two meters. Ask the question. Find out what is behind it. Um, whether whether I'm going to be comfortable with one meter or two meters is neither here nor there because I'm I've my limited experience being out. And about because obviously I'm not commuting, I'm not in the office, but some people are finding uh, the two meter rule quite a struggle anyway, or just completely devoid of any common sense. And that'll be the same going forward. But ask the question, find out, so at least 
the BBPA can give clear advice and guidance. I think, I think that's the key thing, isn't it? Let's let's get the guidance out there, which is something that does seem to be um, lacking time after time when announcements are made. There's there's very little guidance to back up these announcements. The final news story this week is from SIBA, um, who have conducted uh, a survey with their members. And they've found that brewers need further support and certainty on when and how pubs can reopen because opening alone won't secure the future of UK breweries. So um, in this survey that they conducted with their members, 84% of their members expect the pandemic um, and subsequent distancing measures to have a lasting negative impact on the business. And 80% of them believe the government isn't doing enough to support small breweries. Uh, survey also found that 90% of the UK's independent brewers think that the large multinational brewers stand to increase their market share as a result. Uh, competition on price on soft loans, uh, tying publicans down to bland mass market beer and worries about buying choices of pubs are huge concerns in the UK. Um, more detail here around the 4th of July opening, 97% of brewers believe they can be ready to supply pubs by that point, but only if the Prime Minister offers a roadmap and guidance on social distancing imminently. Brewers need the three weeks to um, notice to open the clock's ticking. The message to the government on social distancing from brewers was clear. Half the brewers think most pubs aren't economically viable with social distancing. Uh, at all, but a further 47% said they're only viable at one meter of social distance. Um, and then just um, on one of the biggest challenges faced by brewers um, is that when they're supplying beer to pubs after the 4th of July, most brewers cited competition from global brewers, the impact of social distancing in pubs on sales and the lack of clarity from government as their biggest challenge. So the, 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 the brewers, certainly those that are members of SIBA have, have very much spoken there, haven't they, in terms of what they believe the future holds for the industry? I think it's very clear. And I think, you know, for, for a lot of them, and this is, I think if you did that survey for a lot of industries, I think you'd get fairly similar sort of answers and percentages. You know, uh, lifting restrictions doesn't mean everything's bouncing back. And uh, it's going to take a while for things to bounce back. And for some industries and subsets of industries they may never bounce back the way they were you know you can liken it to the travel industry people aren't suddenly going to rush to be on planes and take uh, beach holidays in spain and portugal for example you could maybe see um, a resurgence of uk-based holidays so you may find it things change a little bit a bit like we've seen in the beer industry with a lot of um, innovation in the small pack world so I can certainly understand where they're coming from and any support they can get from the government, I think will be gratefully received. But yeah, uh, pubs, pubs reopening is the key for them, quite simply. Well, they need somewhere to sell their beers. Yeah. That, don't they? I mean, that... There are some further stats in there about how um, overall small pack sales across internet sales, local collection and local delivery are up 91% based on pre-lockdown, but total sales are still between 60 and 80% down, showing that cans and bottles have not and cannot make up the difference lost to pubs. No, well, for, you know, there's a couple of breweries which we mentioned very much rely on their pub trade for selling their beers. Timmy Taylor's yeah. and Adnams were two, ref, two points we referenced. And I imagine so, so much of their scale depends on going into either their own, either their own pubs in the case of Adnams or landlord being so popular in so many other pubs you don't get the same thing with the bottles and there's only so many bottles you can sell and produce. So I understand that completely. I mean, that's a, a, astonishing stats, you know, up 91% on the, on the small pack, but still such a big difference between how much they're bringing in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a, a really interesting report there actually from Zebra and, and it, is, it is full of stats. I'm not sure whether that's available on their website for public consumption. Um, if it is, we'll put a link in the show notes and, and, and people can have a read of it um, for themselves and have a look at some of the, the, the feedback the Zebra members have given there. But this is, um, this is something as we, we have continued still, we'll keep coming back to week on week as, as we're getting closer to, to pubs potentially reopening. Um, before we go any further, though, we both have empty glasses um, because, as, as predicted, the Simple Things um, Big Ideas series number one, the European Parallel, uh, didn't last very long in the glass. 
It didn't. It, it, I haven't got much to add to what I said before. I mean, uh, that nice balance between the fruit, the sweetness, and a little bit of dry, dryness towards the end just worked really well. And if someone had put another bottle in front of me and opened it and poured it into the glass, I probably would have drank it by the time we got to this part of the show anyway. Yeah, I, that's, that's one that I'd, I'd absolutely love to session it. It's just so drinkable. It really, yeah. It's a really tasty beer. Yeah, it's a shame I'm, there's none of that left. It is a shame for us and for anyone else who might be interested in getting it. Um, but having said that, Steve, I'm very excited about beer number two. I, I am very excited about this one as well. Sadly, again, this one is also now out of stock. Um, this is uh, the Big Ideas series number four. And this is a foreign extra stout coming in at 7%. And you can smell it before once you've opened the bottle. And now, some lovely chocolate notes coming off of that. I love a foreign extra stout. I really do. Well, I think we're both on record of having mentioned it before, but certainly with Guinness, for example, probably been one of the more famous ones. It's probably my favourite iteration of a Guinness beer. Now, oh, the nose on that. That's yeah. all sort of roasted dark chocolate. Yeah, it smells delicious. And as big a fan I am of dark chocolate, it's definitely, it should always be a milk chocolate digestive that you dunk in your tea. Oh, I was actually going to ask you about that. Who, who's, who's on what side of that particular debate that you're having with Michelle? My preferred chocolate is, is plain, but from chocolate digestives, it's milk chocolate for me. So chocolate digestive should only ever be milk chocolate. Whereas plain, currently, at the time of this recording, is edging it about 51% to 49%. There we go. There's another backdoor pilot, opinions <laughs> on biscuits, coming who knew, soon. Who knew? Yeah. You know, um, who knew during this period, but we'd find so many ways to spin off the show. Uh, have you dived have you dived in yet steve i've i've not i was going to give a little bit of blurb about it first or do you want to drink it first and then do let's, the blurb? let's taste it first mate this is smells too good to leave okay cheers. cheers oh that is what i want in a stout that is what i want it's, it's it, like so said, good that aroma that you described comes through on the flavor it's a lovely dry stout as well um in fact almost taking the moisture out of the mouth kind of dryness as well that is incredibly dry yeah we better get through the rest of the show quickly otherwise because this one ain't gonna last long either. i was gonna this yeah because I've, i don't know about you but i think we both did the same thing we took it out of the fridge as we started recording the show yeah to let it slowly come up to room temperature as far as i'm concerned that is at the perfect temperature for a stout feels like it's bang on to me it's just got that slight bit of a chill still wasn't uh freezing in the fridge anyway and I'm just looking at it thinking I need to drink it, but I need to go slow. Yeah, so here's a little bit about the beer. So this, uh, as I say, foreign extra stout, 7%. What, what was Phil thinking when he produced this? Because fantastically on his tasting notes, that's what he's given us. Uh, and he says, in the days when it was much more difficult to get good beer in off licenses than it is now, I enjoyed the occasional bottle of Guinness foreign extra stout. It was and still is totally different to regular Guinness and packs a real punch. Now we're all in beer paradise and can drink quality stouts whenever we like, but a craft brewed foreign extra stout and that muscular flavor profile is still something of a rarity. Now I'd, I'd agree with that actually. Um, in this, we've got um, loads of different malts. Um, we've got brown chocolate, crystal, roasted barley, black marisotta. We've got only Magnum hops and we've got molasses added to it as, as as well so i'm guessing that's what's giving it that slightly sweet finish it's, it's ever so subtle it's, it's, it's not very subtle it's, it's not pastry stout by any chance uh, no of the imagination but it's it's got a sweetness to the to, to the finish that's yeah, just there it is just there and i think that's obviously gives you you know what you're also getting with the uh, the chocolate notes obviously puts you in mind of that as well um i mean it's seven percent uh it doesn't feel like seven percent it does feel punchy and big but those are very much from the aroma and flavors rather than any sort of uh background alcohol burn or alcohol feeling from it and i would agree yes i think it tends to be that once you get past the six percent mark you tend to start veering into the uh, pastry stout and the weird and wonderful stouts Possibly the exception to that was the recent one I, I had from Tesco, Storm Storm Shadow. The, the Buxton one. Yeah. 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 Which was 8%, but felt like it was still a straight up stout. No adjuncts. Um, this is absolutely delicious, and I'm going to thoroughly enjoy making my way through this. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I've, I've actually 
had to put it to one side for a second out of my line of sight because otherwise I'm just going to drink it. Um, I, I can vouch I'll, for that, listeners. I can see Steve. Actually, I actually can't see Steve's beer. He's hidden it from us. <laughs> and I've, I've had to, otherwise I'm going to have no beer come the end of the show. So we best, <laughs> we, we best, we best crack on uh, with this week's question. Opinions, 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 opinions. Which was uh, carrying on with a the theme. Do you think it's too soon for pubs to reopen? Massive number of votes this week, 1,062 votes, um, which I think puts this uh, third in terms of our all-time yeah. polls and, and, and the number that we've had vote. Uh, a whopping 77.3% said yes, 22.7% said no. Um, some of the comments, so from Stay at Home Maguire, at Maguire Mike, it's a yes for me. We've seen that loose rules, little enforcement and good weather leads to awful judgment from people. Add pubs to the mix and I just don't think people will be sensible, which buggers it up for the rest of us. Now, Mike wasn't alone on that. There were a whole load of people that had very, very similar views to that. So let's just give them a shout out as well. Uh, so Beer O'Clock Brewing, Anthony Derbyshire, Raoul Morley, Luan Brew, Johnny Beerboy and Alan at Yardvale Brewer all had very similar views to Mike. From Chris Holmes at Holmes underscore 1981, with a heavy heart, yes, it's too soon. Sad face emoji. Again, similar comments from Car Smile Steve, Mark Johnson and, and Alan at All Greg. From Discombobulated, yes, to protect the lives of customers, staff and anyone they interact with. No, to protect breweries, jobs and pubs themselves. Public still... Public demand still isn't there yet to pressure reopening, but the longer lockdown goes on, the greater the risk of pubs and breweries closing permanently. And again, those comments were echoed somewhat by uh, Rich Taylor, drinking beer at Hazy Davy 69, James at Perilous Banana, and uh, Johnny Tyson, the beer wrangler. And, and then following that one from Guy Miller at Brew Guy. Inside pubs, yes, bit too early. But UK has 27,000 pub beer gardens that could have social distancing drinking on the 4th of July under the rules. It's these pubs I feel should be among the first to reopen during the lifting of lockdown. From Men Behaving Badly at MBB Podcast, voted yes. Too many uncontrollables at the moment. Some people's behaviour towards two metre rule, especially after a few pints. Toilet issue, touch points, etc. Seen local pubs gearing up their outside spaces, but don't think that can solve all of the issues, unfortunately. And that was from Tom from Men Behaving Badly. Michael Edwards at SM Ed Edwards. Far too soon for me personally. I've decided for myself that I won't be going to a pub for at least another month after they reopen. I'd rather see what, what going to the pub really looks like post-lockdown and make a judgment then. Your boy, Rob Edwards, at Rob Edwards 90. Yeah, far too early. Nobody has a clue what's going on, so it'd be a very dangerous gamble to make, regardless of what measures are put in place. The old lady? I'm sad to say it, but yes, I certainly won't be rushing back. If I only had myself to think about, I might feel differently but I'm not prepared to risk being responsible for someone else's tragedy. From Becky at Becky Boogaloo. When they started talking about it, I thought, who do I go with? How do I get there? I'm assuming they don't want an increase in people using public transport to get to and from the pub. Absolute shambles. And from Dr. Goggles at Burnt Ninjao. I won't be using them for a while. Outdoor crowds is one thing. Beaches, protests, etc. Indoors is another. More risky one, I think. And the, and the next comment is actually from someone who owns a bar. Becca Walkshaw at Becca Walkshaw. I wish things could be different, mainly for the many people who are far worse off than me. I miss it with every fibre of my being and it's my livelihood. But no, it's too soon. And finally, from Bone Machine Brew Co. at a Bone Machine Brew. I am yearning for pubs to open, but right now public safety is a house of cards. All it takes is one piece to fall and the whole thing is crumbling down. We're talking about people's lives. It's still too soon. We have no systems to cover a second wave. Stay safe, everyone. Some really great views there this week. And as always, that's just a snapshot of all the comments that we got. Uh, there is this question's in the show notes. If you want to click on the link, 
you can have a look at the question you can have a look at all of the the, the responses that people have made to it if you want to have a look at all the detail that we got on this one but martin where where, where do you stand on again i think you and i are going to be pretty aligned on this if i'm honest um where, where do you stand on this one is it is it too soon even even if we're talking fourth of july and pub gardens only is is that still too soon I'm going to sort of flip it for a second. I just want to know what we've got so disastrously wrong in the UK that I, what what is it we know or what have we done so badly that we can't reopen places quick, as quickly as the rest of Europe? Now, we, we're only locked down slower than Europe by a couple of weeks. And it seems like those couple of weeks were crucial both to the hit our economy's taking and to people's health, more importantly. You know... Germany's now into week three or four of uh, pubs being open. The Netherlands have had their pubs open for a couple of weeks. Even the schools in the Netherlands are back at all all age groups. Um, And they're not really practicing that much in social distancing from what I can gather from the people I've spoken to. So what is it we've done? Have we just put the fear of God in everyone? Is that fear justified? Did we just fuck it up so badly at the start that we just can't trust ourselves now? I don't know. That's just saying I needed to get off my chest. It's fine. I think I think the simple answer to that is, uh, and I'm guessing maybe some of our listeners are probably thinking this in their heads as they're listening to you rant, is what did New Zealand get so right that mm. they've actually pretty much eradicated this thing from their entire country? Yeah, I mean, there are obviously uh, plenty of pluses and minuses and how you compare various nations and stuff. But I think we could all be pretty certain we, we've sort of fucked it up a bit. And when I say we, I mean... Uh, the government and the British public. Uh, I think, you know, in some places equally culpable. Is it too soon? Uh, I, I'm a bit similar to one of the comments which said, I won't be rushing back. Um, I certainly won't be rushing back at what would be considered my usual pub going, like a Friday evening, Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, even a Sunday lunchtime. If I did go back, given uh, the situation we're in now, Maybe it might be on a Monday evening at five o'clock when I, when I shut my laptop just to see what it's like. Poke my head around the door. Does it feel like it's safe? Um, does it have a beer garden? Um, have they solved the toilet issue as, as we have discussed? So it's, I would like to say it's not too soon. And I think in itself, provided places feel as comfortable as they can be, and they're not solely driven by any economic concerns and they can make it viable to do it, then they should be given the opportunity. And as a nation, we should hopefully all be responsible enough to, to go and do it. And if we are, uh, if we have others to think about, which generally most of us do, but especially if we have anyone vulnerable to think about, then perhaps like the old lady, we may take a back seat and let other people go first. I would like to see them see what they can do aiming for a July opening. I still don't agree with it being a Saturday. I think that's fucking bonkers, to be honest. But I think the biggest problem that most people have when they say it's too soon is more about the punters having seen people not adhering all the time during the the brief period we've been under, you know, what's considered lockdown. And it wasn't even as big a lockdown as a lot of other countries either. Um, and people couldn't be trusted on VE day, a couple of hot days, they couldn't be trusted at the beach. So, as someone said, throw the alcohol in here. It's a heady mix. Pubs open, nice weather, alcohol, hooray. Oh, everything's fine again. And this country can't survive a second shutdown um, from a health perspective or an economic perspective. So if people do go back, you just want them to be sensible about it and still take all the precautions they should take. Don't rely on someone else. Take your precautions as well. Same when you get home, take your precautions. And if you've got someone at home vulnerable or someone you want to see, then quite frankly, make, you, make a judgment and say, actually, maybe it's more important to see that elderly relative or that vulnerable friend over going to the pub. But that's where I think a lot of people have come in with the it's too soon because we don't necessarily trust our, 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 fellow, our fellow Brits, to be honest. I think you've summed that up perfectly. There's, there's, there's actually very little I can add to what, what you, you, you've just said in, in terms of additional thoughts, because I, I agree with mo- what you've most, mostly said there, and particularly your, your opening statement in terms of agreeing with one of the comments that 
I'm not going to be rushing back. That that's exactly where I am right now. And I'm I'm, I'm sorry, Rich. I know you're listening to this, but I'm I'm not going to be rushing back until I, I know we can do it safely and I know we can do it comfortably. And I'm not having to almost fight to get into a pub. Let, let let's prove for once that actually as a nation we do have a little bit of common sense. Yeah, I I, I don't think there's anything else for us to add on that. But firstly, 1,062 votes. Thank you very much. Thank you for all the comments. You know. I know we only shared a dozen or so, but they were all really good comments that we saw. If anyone wants to carry on getting involved, please do so. Yes, continue to use that hashtag opinions and you may very well find yourself in this next part of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. So first up from Lackey, Lackey Bassey at Lackey Bassey. Uh, Govinda from the Cheshire Brewhouse. Pleasant mouthfeel, fruitcake, burnt caramel, citrus peel, guava, passion fruit, herbal, nutty, bitterness, complex, quality, fantastic. Thanks to Martin and Steve for, for the pointer. Pleasure. Always. <laughs> Always. <laughs> I did uh, what I did last night. From Johnny Beerboy at Johnny Beerboy. Another enjoyable Thursday morning walk to work with your latest episode, lads. Had a thought with all this talk of pubs reopening, whether anyone may perhaps suffer some anxiety, not only with going back to pubs with the risk of the virus, but also because of not having been around people as much or dealt with as, as regular social interaction. I think it's potentially an underestimated factor. I've, I've got to agree. I've, I've gone on record a number of times. I don't particularly like being around lots of lots of people. And I think if we're at a stage where, as we were just saying, you're almost having to, to fight to get into a pub, that's not an environment that I want to be in. So I think I'll be hanging on for a while. Um, but I think it's a good point made by Johnny. I think even people who maybe aren't that bothered, you say, or maybe they did have a few uh, social issues with people, just part of their nature or something's happened, suddenly being expected to get out there again, in inverted commas, I've been for a few people, it's going to be the same. So I think it's a really good point, Johnny, really good point. From Simon Dewhurst, our previous guest drinker at Simostov. I had a great time. Look forward to listening while crunching some numbers this morning. Cheers. It was a pleasure again to have you on there, Simon. Uh, from Michael, Mick McGrawty. Didn't listen to any podcast last week, so that means I have two episodes of Beer O'Clock Show to listen to today. Smiley emoji. Well, just put them together. It'll feel like one of the old shows. Two, <laughs> two hours. Think of it that way. <laughs> uh, from Paul at UNRCD. Great show, as always. The guest drinker works. Also, that Overworks beer is the first beer that I've seen this lockdown that makes me want to go to a supermarket. From Richard Taylor at Rich Taylor 1608 Just finished this week's snippet. I'm a day behind as lost track of what day it is. I completely agree about picking out a certain hop character. I get an unpleasant taste from Mosaic and Sriracha, but I see it as a development of the palette, which is positive. And I think it was that comment that then sparked the whole discussion we spoke about earlier, which ultimately last night, like I say, Fergus got involved in from Adnams as well. So yeah. it's, it's, it's great to see that. I mean, Richard's completely right about Sriracha. Oh, without a doubt. Without That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. From Sean O'Reilly at Uncrulia. Being back in school meant it took until this morning to finish listening to this week's show. You talked about whether the government would give lead time notification to the beer and pub industry. Based on my experience with education, I wouldn't be overly optimistic. When wider opening of schools was announced, the Department for Education made 41 updates to the guidance over a couple of weeks. The final confirmation that a wider opening was going ahead on the 1st of June didn't come through until the 28th of May. Good luck to everyone in the beer and pub industry. That's just not good enough, is it? No. No, if, if you haven't got everything in place, you, you, you move the deadline. Yes. It's like a project at work. If you can't deliver it, right, it's not, it's not ideal not being able to deliver on a certain date. Manage expectations, but it's better to deliver right than to deliver early and wrong. I mean, seriously, whoever's managed a project knows that. Um, from Mark Johnson, at Mark N. Johnson. Sorry, I forgot to add my own. We're so intrigued reading others and enjoying hearing yours. Personally, I prefer a list of hops and malt used at least, as it gives me a chance to extend my own palate, uh, or at least some of my knowledge of certain hops is right. Also, thanks for answering my question. Interestingly, Mosaic used to be one of my favourite hops, but similar to Rich Taylor, I don't get on with it anymore. I find it gives a caramel taste I often mistake for diacetyl. I have unfairly reviewed some unknown beers because of this. So yeah, interesting discussion about how, you know, we're, we're on record, even on this show, about saying how much we like Mosaic, either as a single hop or as part of a, uh, a blend. 
and other people are just not enjoying it. So perhaps there is that difference in how the hops cut, hop whites come out recently. It's got to be, hasn't it, for so many people to have changed their view on it all, yeah, all of a sudden. Definitely. Yeah, but great comments there. Uh, as always, folks, keep those comments coming. Use the hashtag opinions and we will find you. Um, how is your foreign extra stout going? You've finished it, haven't you? No, I haven't. I've, I've, <laughs> I've, 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 I've kept it a little bit arm's length, not quite outside, but um, it is superbly delicious, superbly drinkable, dangerously so at 7%. Yeah, and I think I think you were right in, in one of the words you almost said there. It is absolutely delicious, as as yeah. well. That is everything that I want in a stout. It's 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 robust. It's got good body. Um, there's a lovely bitterness, but that comes from the, the the roasted malts. It comes from that dark chocolate finish to it. Um, it's that's almost perfection in a glass. Yeah, I mean, this is going to get well rated on Untapped. Um, again, Phil, this is the sixth beer of the 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 ones I've sampled from your box, the same as Steve. And um, this is, this is my favourite out of them. And I think when me and Steve saw the list, we both honed in on this one pretty sharpish anyway. Um, uh, I've struggled to keep this in the cupboard for a few <laughs> weeks. I really have. I had to hide it on the show shelf towards the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just in case I had one of those moments after having a few beers. Oh, I fancy a nice big dark beer. Oh, here we go. Um, really enjoyed your beers. I hope, like um, everyone else, you get through this period, Phil. And um, one day, hopefully, we get to meet, um, and hopefully, our opinions summer sesh will get up north of the border. Might be a little an, another year down the line than it was originally, but we will get north of the border, and hopefully, we can all meet up. That would be great. That would be abs absolutely great. Now, if you want to hear us. Um, talking about the other four beers that, that we were sent, we are on the next episode of Rhythm and Brews, which is out on the 20th of June, as it is 20th of, of every month. So keep your eye out for that. We'll put a link in the show notes to where you can find Rhythm and Brews podcasts anyway. Uh, spoiler alert, good music for once as, as, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. There, was, there, there was good music. Um, and um, Andrew and Luke were both on fine, fine form as well. I think we had we had a really we had a lot of fun recording that show that night, and yes. I made it all the way to the end. Yes, which... yes, this is the way that River and Brews now need to record with uh, Beer O'Clock Show opinions only via Zoom, so Steve doesn't go wandering. So, what have we got coming up next week, mate? <laughs> well, we have another guest drinker, don't we? And um, I don't think uh, anyone needs too many instructions to describe the next drinker. Rob Derbyshire from Hopzine is joining us, and. Um, because we've been trying to be as flexible as possible with uh, doing these recordings around it all of our lives, we've decided um, a Saturday afternoon at 2pm would be a good, a good idea. Perfect. However, if we're drinking some, uh, we're drinking some sessional beers, sessionable yes. beers then. Uh, um, right. So sessionable, normally most people would say, I don't know, four and a half, five, maybe going towards the six, 11. Why not? Them. Because that's us, isn't yes. it? That's, that's what we do. <laughs> a 750 bottle of a sparkling brute beer and uh, from Duet, who we don't know too much about. So we'll, you know, no, no more spoilers. We'll tell you a bit more about them next week. And we are also sampling the Camden Beer 2019 again. Yeah, because we, we, we said we were going to do that every three months this year. To I think it was Rob at Discombobulated said, oh, why don't you revisit that beer over the process of a year? So that's what we're doing. So... It's three months on since we last did it, so we'll do it again to see, see how that's changed. So I'm actually, I'm, I'm really looking forward to next week's show. Uh, I've, I've known Rob for a long time, and he's, he's, I know he's been on a couple of the old Beer O'Clock shows, but this will be his first uh, appearance on Opinion. So yeah, be good, good, to, have be him good a, to speak to him. Have him along. Um, so until then, um, all that's left for us to say is stay safe, everyone, and cheers. Cheers. Cheers.